What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today is part two of Carly Craig's incredible sit-down interview. You guys, it is a fucking doozy. So sit back, I don't know, choose, grab a cocktail, grab the tissues, grab your journals, grab something and hold the fuck on. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter 16. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Okay, everybody, before we jump in to part two of Carly's incredible interview, I want to remind you that there is a a couple trigger warnings for this episode. We continue to talk about mental health and PTSD, narcissistic abuse, mental abuse, and in this episode specifically, there is some suicidal ideation. So I want to make everyone aware that We're going through some fucking minefields on this one, but I promise you it is worth it and it is so empowering and this story has a happy fucking ending. But before we get to that happy ending, we're going to go through some shit. So strap in and let's get to it. What do I do? Yeah. What do I do? And this is a brand new place that you guys had just moved into and signed a lease for. You had just designed painted it, all the offices. Designed it, painted every single room to perfection. Like, does, like it was, this was our starter home, like, which means that they had a thing going on and she had already gotten pregnant the first time when we went and we moved to the condo. So that's why you were having all these emotional outbursts. And that's why you were making me feel bad about all the things you're making me feel bad about. Like, I just couldn't believe this had happened. And all I, I I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, do I stay in my apartment that I just worked so hard to make perfect? I can't afford this place on my own, like a four bedroom place by myself. Like, I don't really know what to do. And all those memories that are now there. Totally. and And so now I'm, so I'm, The next couple of days were just, so the next morning he comes over and I had, I couldn't sleep and I got like a list together and I was like, well, I'm leaving you. So here are all the things that we need to tie up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I went down the list and he's like, well, if you would ever consider staying and I'm like, you lost me. This is disturbing behavior. And I said, I am horrified. I don't, I haven't even begun to dig into what this actually is. And I am just horrified at your behavior. And I am walking away from this situation. I'm not here to help you deal with a alleged pregnancy. I've, this is nothing to do with me. This is all your situation to deal with. Like I, I'm done. I'm out of here. I've, I've, I was so understanding about checking on this person who had all these mental health issues, but you were fucking her the whole time. Yeah. Looking me dead in the eye saying, are you sure it's go? It's okay. I go over there. It, and, and just scaring me to the point of not being able to stand up for myself anymore. So over the next couple of days, you guys spent some time together and he, he allowed you, I don't think that's the right word, but let you ask anything you wanted to ask. And he was pretty forthcoming with some like gnarly details about everything. Correct. Um, he revealed to me that he would, um, that he also cheated with her in 2018 when he had went and gotten lunch with her, that he said he was going to Orange County, but then he padded the time and actually went to her house and did a bunch of drugs and had sex with her and that I was never going to find out about it. And, and he's like, and I got away with it. And then he went as far as to say, and in 2019, I was really good. I didn't even, I didn't talk to her really. And, you know, things had been cut off for a while. Good boy. Pat on the back for that. I'm like, okay, cool. Gold star, (laughs) tight, tight, cool, 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 tight, tight. And then I'm like, okay. And he's, and I'm like, well, then what, where was, what was the decision that you made to go over there? And he's like, I just, I don't even remember, but that meant that we, 
I go, well, when did you get her pregnant the first time? And he had sex with her. And then we went on a road trip to spend time with my family in Texas. So that means during that whole road trip, you knew that you had had sex with somebody. And then he found out that she was pregnant when we got back from Texas, which we had driven all the way to Texas in my car with the dogs, taking pictures at the Grand Canyon, going to the winery, doing all these romantic, like cute little things. And sorry, I'm just like, every time I think about that, that road trip, I just get like, so um, like, so tight in my body because we were listening to like Brene Brown, like audiobooks about shame. And like, <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the heck could have been going on in your brain during yeah. that time? So I decide I'm going to go home to Florida. I'm like, I'm going to leave. So like, I, I'm just going to need to pack all my shit, put it in storage. And I, I just need to bail on LA for a while. Luckily I was working on the Hills at the time as a post coordinator. And my, I talked to my boss and he was like, yeah, you can work remote. So thank God, like I was able to work remote during that time. And I was like, all right, F this. I'm, I got to get out of town also, because I'm not trying to be caught up in this whole, like, you know, web of whatever the fuck this is. Yeah, like, the shitstorm that he's created for himself. Totally. And and not to mention like the rug has been completely pulled out from under me. What do I where do I go from here? So the ne- so after I decide we're going to Florida, the next few days were just filled with lots of phone calls to friends and family. And my friends and family were like, "You sound really calm." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, you have to understand that I was really miserable and like the fact that this is what is is going on, I'm I'm ready to walk away." Like yeah. I'm, you know, and not to mention my fight and flight response was just kicked into overdrive because I was like, I have to, I have to leave this. I need to remove myself from this situation and go 3000 miles away. Um, and so then one of those phone calls was to you guys. And he and I had a discussion because he was like, I feel like I need to tell Gabs because of her platform and because of, you know, her books and what she's been through. I feel like I've betrayed her as well because like we've had all of these deep conversations during our like our little like crazy nights that we would have during quarantine. And I feel like I've betrayed her as well. So I feel like I need to tell her in person and I'm like, all right, well, let's just get this over with. And I was like, I'll call them and and tell them to come over. And so then that's when I called you guys. And when we sat down my heart was beating. Like I had like just walked into the principal's office. Like I, it was a really tense situation. You were in fucking shambles. Um, he was crying and Tay and I were just like, what the fuck is going on? And he starts to tell us all of this stuff. And I remember so vividly, like when he said, and I've been cheating on Carly for the past six months, my hand like smacked my chest And then he was like, and she's pregnant. And I audibly, very awkwardly and loudly went, and Tay like put his hand on my arm because it was so awkward. And like the way that it came out, like I couldn't even reenact it if I tried. No, yeah, Um, I remember that. And he sat there and he said to me, "I, I know what you've been through and I know, you know, what you dealt with with your ex husband. And I'm just in tears, crocodile tears. And I'm just so sorry because I feel like I've let you down and you've been such a good friend to me. And like, it was like watching this scared little boy say like, mom, please don't leave me because I really fucked up. Yeah. And I remember you saying, no, you're not my ex-husband. Like, yeah, I was like, you are not the same as him. You are not. I was so supportive because the first thing I was met with was you walking out and saying, please just be kind. So I was like, I must not be seeing a full picture somewhere. Like he must have really dug himself deep and like, there must be something that I'm not seeing. Yeah. And, and I mean, up until that point, it was just a victim. He was playing the victim. He, um, you know, was sobbing in my arms and, you know, talking about, uh, his traumatic childhood and, and all these things and, and using that as a reason to justify his behavior. And I was at the point, I was so brainwashed at that point that I was like, 
even telling my mom in the in the car ride back, I'm like, this isn't a normal cheating situation because right. here are the things that they've been through. And this is, you know, this is a way bigger thing. And like, they're truly at rock bottom. And this is like, they, they are flying back to where they're from to figure out why they did this. Like, this is a really big deal in their life. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, like we set him up with a therapist, like he stayed at our house for a couple nights. Like I was very like, I'm going to be there for both of these individuals as much as I can. Um, and now looking back on it, I'm like, fuck dude, everything you said to me was gaslighting me in the realm of the path, you know, I've been on, you know, everything was like, Oh, I'm going on a healing journey and like my trauma and this and this. And I, I remember saying to him, like, I get it. And I'm so proud of you for like starting to finally like recognize and unpack this, but your trauma is not an excuse to fucking ruin someone else's life, which is what he did. He did. I mean, I mean, I had so much invested like, and, and we didn't even really touch on this, but I was also treated like an assistant. Yeah. Like I had a list of tasks to do every day. And I, I therefore put my dreams on the back burner. You know, I, I cast aside so many of my goals because this was going to be my husband. Right. So then I'm sitting there being like, well, I just wasted four years of my life. Like you could have just cut me loose that first week that I, that you got with Sarah while I was auditioning for Glinda. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, and I, at that point too, thought, okay, well, we're going to end it. We'll, we'll be friends. I, I thought, okay, well, we will, we will be friends, you know, like at least, you know, this all happened and whatever, but clearly they're a very wounded, lost individual. And I have to have empathy for them because, you know, yeah, they've been through so much. And, and, you know, clearly that's why they did this. And there were times where I would talk to both of you and you were still trying to communicate and you were like, both of you were steadfast and we're eventually going to be best friends once this all settles and clears and you know it both of you felt that way right and i think i started to come you know i went to florida and i i just threw myself into activities to heal like i i was like i'm going to go to the beach i'm going to spend time with friends i'm going to play tennis i'm going to make sure every day i'm either playing tennis, meeting with a personal trainer or taking a voice lesson, like doing anything just to invest in myself and, and just self-love cocktail. Totally. And I, and I wrote that down and you gave me your book and, you know, I was very much in that um, space and we, we didn't really communicate. Um, but all the people in his life were calling me and being like, we are so sorry that they did this to you. We thought that they had changed. Mm -hmm which meant that this was a pattern. This is something that they have done to a lot of women. And they had alluded to that they had been abusive to other partners in the past and that it, they used to yell at women and call them the C word and all these things. And I was like, but they don't do that to me. So, you know, that's not, that's not how I'm treated. Right. But then the veil started to pull back when I, or the curtain rather, when, I asked if they had cut things off with Sarah and they hadn't mm -hmm. like four months later. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second. So you were telling me that you're on this healing journey and that this is rock bottom and you need to figure this out. And okay, Sarah took care of the pregnancy or whatever, but now you paid her off. And now I'm waiting for my money for my condo. And like, where your priority, like none of it really added up where I didn't really realize how much of a figure this woman was in his life mm -hmm. and that they actually had a full-blown relationship going on. Yeah. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. 
They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash fmltalk50 and use code fmltalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code fmltalk50 at factormeals.com slash fmltalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. That was like the big thing where I had even like we we would maybe talk every couple months and I got on the phone with them around like April and I said I didn't realize that you were in a full-blown relationship and he didn't even deny it right and she you guys were very open on social media like she knew that you guys were together she he knew about me because she was a fan of mine. Oh, I did not know that. For being part of the Todrick crew. She came and saw us perform in DC. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's like this twisted web that I never asked for. Like, but obviously I've gone through a lot of phases of self blame and and all and shame and all these things but you know I should have walked away I should have whatever what it boils down to is I didn't trust my gut mm -hmm. and I should have at the very jump yeah. that I'm I was in a very vulnerable place I was young I this person I had idolized them and made them up to be this hero when in reality the their their uh, mood swings and all of these toxic behaviors, I just tolerated them because how badly did I want to end up with my childhood crush? Right. Yet here I am. And that person is the one that killed us in the end. Like this is un unbelievable. Yeah. It's like, you really can't write this shit. Yeah. So eventually you shifted from, well, I guess you came back from Florida. You went for how many months? Four. And you came back and lived with Tay and I in our unit. In your guest house. In our little guest unit. Um, <laughs> my, my fairy cottage. And so you and I were spending a lot of time together. Like we would hang out in the backyard and have coffee in the morning with the dogs and like, you know, do dinners at night. And the more, you know, I was open with both of you. You guys knew that I was kind of like the middle person. If anyone ever needed something, once you we guys stopped coming communicating, yeah. like I was the go between. And I was okay with that because I cared about both of you. Um, I did see how he was at least on the outside for, to me was putting in work and really looking like he was, you know, trying to make changes. And, um, but you didn't know that they were still seeing Sarah. Correct. No idea. We were told that that had been like cut over, off. done with gone. Um, so when was it during that time that you were living with Tay and I, that you went from, we're eventually going to be friends one day to this person is not my eventual friend and is not just my ex. Cause I know you don't view them that way anymore. No. Um, we had had a conversation where we had had a conversation on the phone, um, which was the last time we spoke where also mind you, I had only seen them once in person. It was like, I flew out, um, to LA to like handle my storage. And I just kept my like sunglasses on for the most part. And just was like, la di da, like just handling business. And they invited me in the car to talk. And I was just like, no, we're going to stand outside. Like I, I made that boundary very clear. And I was like, so when are you cutting things off with Sarah? And they're like, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Like, and I was just like, okay, whatever, you know, it was just a very awkward exchange. Um, and then I flew back to Florida and drove my car and my dogs back out. 
mind you, I'm like now living in a little two by four, like the cottage was lovely, but it was really small compared to my four bedroom condo that I put so much energy into. I have two dogs that I'm now responsible for because obviously I wasn't going to leave Otis in that situation. And I had a puppy. I also had a like a puppy to deal with. And I'm like, this is just so much responsibility. And now I'm also living around the corner from my condo that they still get to live in that I decorated and all these things. So I was really having a hard time when I first got back. And there was a day where I said, Hey, can I get on the phone with you? I need to yell at you for a little bit. And they were willing and open. We got on the phone and I was like, people tell me that they're going to the grocery store and I don't believe them. I am traumatized. And in that conversation, they started minimizing my trauma. And I started to realize that every single conversation we had had that spring was always about them and about the discoveries they're making in therapy. They're not asking how I'm doing, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to navigate this, how my brain is healing. They don't care about how I'm doing. It's all about the progress that they're making. Mm And that really hurt. And it clicked for me when they were on, we were on the phone and I said, I'm traumatized. People say that they're going to do something. I don't believe them. And he goes, well, that's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the severity of what you've done to me. And like, I, I don't even know where to begin on this journey. Like I'm just so aware. I have to rebuild my life from scratch. I have invested so much into you getting you a website, an agent, running your social media, doing everything for you as an assistant, basically. Was that all I was good for? And, and then they, they'd say, they said stuff in the conversation, like, you know, people in my life are telling me that, that I should just give it time and that you'll come back around. (laughs) And that really did it for me. That was like the nail in the coffin because that when it, that's when it became obvious to me that if he had been telling people the details of what they actually did, then nobody would say that I would come back around. Yeah. So that means that you're not telling everybody the full picture and you're not filling people in on what the heck actually happened and how severely you psychologically abused me Yeah, because you were abusing me not only for those six months, but there was a whole boatload of other things that he was doing that I have since recognized as narcissistic abuse that I didn't even realize in that four year time period was chipping away at my self-esteem over and over. Yeah. And I look back and I, I read my journals from when I was in Florida and we would have phone conversations and I would, I literally would write like, I'm so glad that I could be the one to take this on the chin so that their soul can evolve. Mm. And I'm like, what kind of fucked up brainwashing is that? Well, and it was partly because you know, I remember having conversations where he was, both of you were like, we're each other's twin flame. And we came in to like, learn this big fucking lesson and erupt into each other's lives. And the way that he framed everything and he told Tay and I, I mean, as far as I know, everything. Yeah. Um, But the way that it was framed was always reverted back to this is because of this trauma. And this is because of this that I never dealt with. And this is because of this. And it would be covered with like, I'm not excusing it, but this is the reason. And I remember so vividly, you and I were having coffee one day or maybe wine. I don't know. <laughs> one of the two. And <laughs> one of our vices. One of the two. And um, we were in my backyard and you were very, because you knew that I was still trying to support him and that Tay and I were still friends with both of you. You were very reserved in the way that you spoke about him. You were never trying to like bash him. It was always like, I hope he's doing the work. I hope he's okay. I hope he's growing. And there was one day where something changed in you. And I think it was once you had realized that like, oh, I've been a victim of narcissistic abuse for years. And I remember you telling me a story about when you guys were on vacation. And 
you had posted a picture or you were getting ready to post a picture and you were in a bikini and he had taken it of you and you felt like amazing. And he was like, well, I don't know if you should post that, you know, like you can like kind of see your cellulite and like, you don't really look that great in it. And sitting there watching you tell me this story, I was like, this is not what I thought it was. Like, this is not the scenario that I thought we were working through. Like this goes back way deeper than falling into cheating and being with another person. This goes way deeper than getting someone pregnant twice. Like this is a fundamental problem in this person's brain that he thinks he can make a woman feel like this. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, there were so many examples like that that ended up coming out to the point where I was like, this is not someone I can support. Yeah. So yeah. And, and up until that point too, like I, I was protecting them. Like I, I really was so, I had such loyalty and also not to mention like my identity was wrapped up in them. Yeah. My life became about taking care of them. And I, it was me and them. And that was who I became. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know where to begin on defining who Carly was. And so because of that deep rooted loyalty, and even when walking out the door, walking out on them, they're like, okay, if somebody asks you this, this is what you say. And I'm like, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I won't throw you under the bus, but like, I, I was like, I'm not going to go and run and tell this whole ordeal to everybody, but you can't control what I'm going to say. Like you did this to me. And now I have to navigate how to build my life up again. Um, and they even went as far as to say, people are going to tell you that I'm manipulating you. People are going to call all of our twin flame stuff. Bullshit. People are going to tell you I'm a narcissist, all these things. And but, but that's, you know, that we're so, you know, that we're twin flames and you know what this actually is. And I was like, no, I know, I know. And that was where my head was. Yeah. So it's wild to look back on that now. And like just the level of control that they had over me to the point where I wasn't even sharing like details with you guys until months of living yeah. at your place. Yeah. And then that was when I started to work on my show because I was like, all right, well, what do I have left? I need to just do something. I need to do my art because that's the only thing that I have that I have left that is mine. Like yeah. my condo's gone, my man is gone, my all the time I invested in our world is gone. The future you thought you were going to have. The future I thought I was going to have, my kids that my future kids that I'm now grieving, like all of these things that were so built up in my head. Now I'm like, well, what do I have left? I have my freaking show. Like yeah. that's really all I have. And you're not okay. Like no, we were very worried Concerned. about you. Like there were, that was a rough summer. It was, it was scary to watch. And I would come in from like talking with you and I would look at Tay and I'd be like, I, I just, I'm worried about her. And every now and then I'd be like, sorry, if you can hear me screaming through the wall, um, <laughs> I just had another panic attack. And that's, that's another thing too. Like that's when I started experiencing PTSD symptoms. And I was like, this doesn't feel like a normal breakup. And that's when I started to really dissect the abuse that I had been enduring for years. And I didn't really want to believe it at first because again, they were such a Prince Charming in my eyes. Mm -hmm. But then it just over as time passed, like, it became more and more apparent that this person was not who I thought they were and that they were actually presenting a character, a character to me the whole time. Because even when I would see them talk about Sarah and how they were going to deal with this pregnancy, they get really nasty and really volatile. And I had never seen that side of them before. Yeah. And that's who they are. Right. It was a show for you. Mm-hmm. So When did you make the decision to be like, okay, I'm going to pour all of this into my art and I'm going to do a one woman show around it? 
Well, I had been doing these one woman shows, you know, since New York and, and they were all ironically enough poking fun at my own narcissistic tendencies, right? Because when you're trying to make it in LA or in Hollywood, like it does feel very narcissistic because you have to be your own brand and like build yourself up to be this personality and like who thinks that they're good enough to win an Oscar or like an Emmy or whatever. But, um, so it was really poking fun at the absurdity of like what it means to try to make it in Hollywood and like my personal journey. So I had all these songs and it's a musical comedy show. It's all original music. Um, and I was like, I think I need to recontextualize it because now like what I'm working through and like the inciting incident, it's always been about my Hollywood journey, but now this is what my Hollywood journey is about. Like that I had to go back to Florida, but LA's not going to kick the shit out of me. I'm coming back and I'm going to, I'm going to still pursue my dreams even after getting cheated on. Yeah. And even to say like, you know, how big of a leap it was for me, even to just say in the show that I got cheated on, Yeah. which didn't, didn't even scrape the surface of what I actually dealt with. And I hadn't even arrived at the conclusion conclusion of the depth of the abuse at that point either. Like it was such a big deal for me to write a comedy song saying you have a girl that's on the side. Yeah. And I was like, but, and, and you remember like days before the show, I'm like, but what if they see it? Like whatever. And you were like, they never protected you. So why are you protecting them? And it was just this, like, I was still brainwashed. Yeah. And I I remember saying to you, you know, it's like the age old saying, if they didn't want to be written about, they should have behaved better. So whatever happened to you in your life, that belongs to you. You own that. So if you want to work through it in a fucking book, in a musical, in whatever way you choose, that is your right after you have had an experience, especially one that was so awful by someone else. Right. And that's something that I hadn't even like I hadn't even built up that level of strength yet. Like now I can say with confidence that I'm in a place where I am excited to share my story in an artistic, beautiful way. Um, But at that point in time, I was just doing the show to survive. Yeah, I was just doing the show to be like, let me just get back on stage because that's going to make me feel like me again. And I don't even know who me is anymore because I... I was them. I was, I was in that, in, in that relationship. That was who I was. Let me do something that makes me feel like I deserve to take up space and that like, I deserve to be heard for an hour. Yeah. Like grasping at straws. Like I just need something to focus my energy on and hold on to. Totally. And even up until that, like even leading up to the show, you know, I was a frazzled mess. I was so stressed out. It was so scary for me. But then, you know, like right after the show, you're like, could I post videos? And I'm like, post it all. You know, like I've, I felt so empowered. And even when I was on stage, like I was singing the anal song and which we're going to get to, which we'll get to. (laughs) Um, but I was singing that song and like the lyrics I had originally written, like I started changing them on the fly as I was performing. Oh, I didn't know that. And getting more specific in that moment moment. And I, because like my, my body just took over, like it was originally, you know, the car that the car that I got in 2019. And I'm like my Toyota that I started leasing in 2019. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, get specific bitch. Like I was so, you know, I was so, um, like I, I felt so empowered in that moment and to have, to look out at a room of people and, to have them like truly cheering me on. Yeah. It was also a way of me to overcome my social anxiety and my shame surrounding the situation because yeah. I I knew that people around town or my in my friend groups or whatever like they knew that there was an infidelity thing but they didn't know like the extent. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't even get into the extent but more so like they didn't know um that I was going to be open about it. Right. Right. Like, like I didn't even know I was going to be open about it until I did the show. And then I was like, okay, well that's a big leap that I just took. We'll see what happens after that. Yeah. And the amount of people that responded, I mean, I being in the audience of that show was so electric. Um, I, besides the fact that like, it was fucking hysterical. Like you're so talented and you're such a good singer. It was just so amazing to watch this like broken 
girl turn into this like woman that's reclaiming her power. Um, so right now we are going to take a little listen. Oh man. To uh, what's the official title of it? And all the good times. And all the good times. <laughs> that's um, A-N apostrophe A-L, the good times. <laughs> and you will probably hear me on the track fucking hooting and yes. hollering in the audience. Um, so without further ado, here is uh, here's and Carly's all good and all good times. So you have a girl that's on the side, gave you everything, gave you life. Now I have to pack my pride for a 3,000 mile drive. Till you told me what you did Never felt so inadequate Force my hand, force me to quit you Like literally, I, I, when I say I've told people about this song, when I say I get it stuck in my head and yeah. I'll like randomly be doing the dishes and Tay's like, what are you singing? And I'm like, anal. <laughs> also, you were the first one to ever hear that song in the backyard. Yeah, dude. And I remember you singing me like the fucking hook and the lyric. And I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> dude, this is brilliant. You should make a whole fucking album. Like women are going to attach onto this shit that have been cheated on and been through it. Like nobody's business. Man, and then I I filmed you know the show, and then the video started picking up on TikTok, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, there's an audience for this. Like this is yeah, dude, there's a huge audience. Yeah, for I mean, and and even posting that online as well, so scary because all of their friends and family follow me still. Yeah, and that was another thing that like really started to kind of open my eyes over now, like the past several months, is like people that they used to work with, the wives of his friends, like people are supporting me. Like everybody, it's like almost like it was this secret that he was actually a womanizing abuser and I had no clue. Like nobody just bothered to tell you. Nobody bothered to tell (laughs) me. And it was like, again, there was another red flag that I didn't even mention, but he said like, like when all the Me Too stuff was happening, he had said like, you know, sometimes I just worry that people from my past might like come out and say something about me. And I didn't know what that meant. That means you've done some fucked up shit in the past. Right. And, and, but it was like, oh, but you're, you're not like that anymore. And like, you know, what you ever did to people couldn't have been that bad. But like, now that I know what I experienced and after dealing with my PTSD and the panic attacks and the night terrors and everything, the damage that they did, I mean, these pieces I've had to pick up this is something I never could have prepared for. So after you did this LA show, which I will vouch for was fucking mild compared to what it could have been. Yeah, it was, Um, it was very, I tiptoed a lot. Yeah. For context, it would have been like reading the first two chapters of E per FML and then being like, and then, you know, some stuff happened. Like it was very mild. I think I, I made it a point that the only like the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the show, we we're going to be about the breakup. And then everything else was going to be about me coming back to LA, me and Hollywood and yeah. like recontextualizing my old music. Yeah. Um, but obviously like he saw it. Um, I mean, it was all over my social media. I was fucking like going hard. And this was when we were still, I was still supporting both of you. And I, I had started to realize by watching you deteriorate in front of my eyes and hearing the things that you were coming forward with once you felt comfortable 
that this wasn't someone I was going to be able to support. So I had set up a, a coffee date with him and uh, I was fucking nervous. And this was actually after I'm sorry, I'm going to put this on blast, but um, this was actually after he had met Tay for lunch. I don't remember like what they were meeting for, but Tay was kind of in the same camp as I was at this point. We were just like, what do we do? Because this isn't okay. And they went and had lunch and he sat down and he was like, you know, I'm a little upset that neither of you told me or gave me a heads up that she was going to do this show. I would have expected you to give me, give, give me a little bit of warning. And Tay and him, you know, went back and forth for a little bit. And he's like, started playing the victim. Your ex looked at Tay and was like, and you know, Gabs is out here promoting her and like champ championing her. And Tay looked at him and said, dude, what you did was diabolical. And that's a heavy word. And Tay's a very scary man when he, he's very when tall. he's been, when he's very intense. And he said, Gabrielle protects women from people like you. And when he relayed that conversation to me, it was like, that's the final. I was like, yeah, I fucking, I do. And this isn't okay. I don't care how much I cared about this person, how much he has made me believe that he's like on this epic healing journey to change. And I think it was the, like the nail in the coffin for you that I saw was when I started sharing with you, like the body shaming stuff yeah, and how like I would be stood in front of a mirror and he'd be like, all right, we're going to tighten you up here. And, but that was so normal to me. Right. And I, and you know, it was disguised as, well, I just want a healthy partner, but like it really chipped away at my self-esteem. Yeah. You've never not been healthy. No. And, and like, even regardless, like that's just not something you do. No. And that's what I'm saying. It was, it was so long stemming of like, this is in this person's DNA. Like this is who they are. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I had this really long conversation with him and was like, look, dude, I, I just can't support what I'm hearing you've done. And I said exact sentences. I told him the picture analogy, which of course I like asked you if like that was okay that I relay. And he didn't deny any of it. Which picture analogy? Like when, when you wanted to post the picture from right, vacation right, right. and he was like, oh, it's not really that flattering. And here's your cellulite and blah, blah, blah. Cause he knew that it was all true when you were telling him yeah, these things. Yeah, he didn't deny any of it. And you know, gotta give him credit for the fact that he like really, I mean, I was fucking- Intense. intense and not forgiving. And he sat there and took it. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember saying like, I wish that show wasn't about you. I'm like, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, I remember saying, I wish that show wasn't about you. I wish it was about some other asshole that I didn't know, but it is about you. And it's all fucking true. And the way that you approached me when you told me about all of this was gaslighting me because you knew what I had been through. So you poked at the, just the right spots for me to feel sorry for you and want to try and save you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and that's, it's just, it's not it. Mm -hmm. And that I knew leaving that conversation that that was going to be the last of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't wish anything bad on that person. Um, but watching you go through what you've been through, like there's just no fucking excuse. Yeah. And, and again, I, I went, I didn't even know that the first step to um, like recovering from narcissistic abuse is to go no contact. I, I almost instinctively went no contact back in May. So like by the time I did the show in August, I hadn't talked to them in a long time, but they were, they were still running my life emotionally Yeah, and, and still do a very many days, you know? And that's when I, um, when I started to read up on NPD, a narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder and how it develops and, and also like what um, recovering from narcissistic abuse looks like and complex PTSD, my jaw was on the floor because it was like, I was trying to make sense of what I was experiencing and was like, this isn't a normal breakup. Mm -hmm. 
And the first step in recovery is going no contact. And it's like, I did that anyway. So I felt like I was kind of ahead of the game. But then as far as my healing goes, like the past six months, you know, I've been, I, I stopped drinking, like, because I was definitely leaning on alcohol to deal with the pain just so I didn't process them properly. Yeah. I also had jumped immediately into another relationship um, with a friend of mine, which while wonderful, it was like, I was totally- um, Like band-aiding it. I was totally band-aiding it. And it's like, I was very upfront with that person the whole time, what I had been through. And so ultimately it wound up not working out, but like that person means so much to me. You know, I like, I will never forget that chapter but I was in no position to be in a relationship with anybody. And um, so like once that ended, I I cut that off in like October and ended things with this person. And then that's when like the panic attack started getting worse. And it was like, I would be driving down the street and it's like zero to zero to screaming in like two seconds. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I couldn't catch my brain in time to be like, no, you can feel it coming on. But it's like my, my, um, my physiology is just unbalanced because I don't, I don't feel safe in any environment that I'm in because my safe home where I lived with this individual was unsafe ultimately. And I didn't even know that it was happening. And so that has been a really long road. Um, as far as controlling my emotions. And then I got on antidepressants and that's transformed my life as far as like my generalized anxiety. I've had to dive really deep into why I ignored my gut and why I stayed with somebody like this Mm -hmm. um, and accept it for what it is. And now, now I'm in the place where I'm like, man, do I have a lot to say? And I, and I feel ready to share like being here is a really big step for me yeah personally like I was crying in the mirror this morning being like you are the brave little toaster like (laughs) you can do this you can do this like like you are so brave and I and I look around at my I mean now I live in this beautiful apartment that I pay for with my animals that I support and I got rid of my car that by the way he was taking my car to go have sex with this girl I sold it yesterday. Like I'm taking these big yes, leaps to just f- fucking shed all this poison out of my life. Mm-hmm. And the next step is just continuing to pour this into my comedy without any fear because I've carried so much shame about this situation where like on social media, I've been very cryptic and I've like alluded to like, I'm going through a lot and I was with an abuser and all of these things. But I, I'm ready to live in that power now and I'm ready to actually move forward and, and sink it all into something beautiful. And I even thought about suing him. Like I, that crossed my mind where I was like, you can sue somebody for emotional distress and the panic attacks and the night terrors got so bad that it was running my life. And yeah, I remember, yeah. And I was like, I have a case. I I have a case here and looking at what you can really present in court, but I don't have money for a lawyer. And also, isn't my time better spent doing something positive? Like I, what I want is not to prolong this abuse. Like if I were to press charges against somebody, you know, exactly. And so I've decided, I'm like, you know what? It's more powerful for me to rise above and to make comedy songs out of this absurd situation because it really is absurd. Also, I mean, for several reasons, but one of them being, I've been doing a show about being a narcissist, but I was actually coexisting with a real one mm-hmm. and being abused by one for four years. Yeah. But, and I didn't even, I didn't know I was being abused. Yeah. So now you've made this decision to make this like rather epic return to mm-hmm. New York and you're going to revamp the show that my favorite song and all is in <laughs> that one's staying that yes. one's staying in the show <laughs> um, and it's gonna be even more because now you've crossed that threshold into not being scared of what someone might think exactly i i think i again was so um so in the space of protecting the other person that but now through a lot of work a lot of inner work 
what does Carly need? Yeah. What is what does Carly need to do to heal from this? Because straight up, I'm not healed from this yet. I know that I'm not. It, it, even so much so that my therapist yesterday or two days ago was like, you know, you shift between talking about this situation in past and present tense, mm -hmm. which means that you're still very much living in that space. And it's because I'm traumatized and I and I acknowledge that. But how do I overcome this trauma? And for me, it's it's by leaning on comedy, which is what I've always done through any hardships in my life. I've always made fun of what has gone on. And the absurdity of it is just in the fact that like who knew my my hollywood story is was now going to become that i fell in love with my childhood crush and they were living a double life yeah and i i believe the whole time that we were together you know i it's hard for me to believe that they slipped up once and then were right. so good in 2019 like i believe that him and sarah were they never cut things off so you know yeah this is just this is just um me accepting it and also finally finally doing the show because i have a clear point of view yeah yeah i cannot tell you how fucking proud i am of you being here today i know was such a huge step and it's so crazy to look back on you know a year ago when all of this happened and i remember your ex saying, you know, one day I'll, I'll come on the podcast and I'll share my story and, you know, be able to, to take ownership and responsibility. And I, I remember being like, yeah, when, when you're ready, I'll, I'll help you walk you through that. And I'm so thankful that that didn't happen. And I was granted the time to become more educated and clear on the situation and was able to give you this platform mm -hmm. because so many people listening to this interview have gone through this, are going through this and are gonna be so fucking inspired by your story and the way that you have come out of it and are open about your mental health and how fucking hard it was to get to where you're at now and that you're still a work in progress. Thank you, yeah, it's it's definitely, um, I appreciate you and I, and I love you so much and, I, I'm definitely very much acknowledging that I am still healing and, and I, and it has taken me a while to accept the fact that it's going to take me a long time to heal from this because it was four years of my life. But what I can control is how I react to a situation like this. And up until this point, I've been very mom and very like reserved about it and have shared just enough. But what I really want to do moving forward is operate from a place of strength and to know that, you know, any, any empathetic person, I am a thousand percent an empath through and through is susceptible to something like this. And if there is somebody listening out there that, um, resonate, if my story resonates with you, just know that it is a long road and it's very difficult, but you have to lean on your friends and your family because those are the people that know you best and will help you get back to the version of you that you lost. Mm. Yeah. That's because that's what I've done. I've, I've, I've turned them. I mean, I have the most amazing group of friends and like nobody has batted an eye any step of this process, like everyone's taken me very seriously. Anytime I've been like, I need help. I'm not okay. My brother was like, I will get on a plane tomorrow. You tell me anything you need people because this person had everyone fooled. So yeah. they know the depth of like how devastated I am. And especially now realizing, um, the abuse that I survived and, and acknowledging also that I am a survivor. Yeah. Because yes. there were some dark days where I didn't think I was going to make it, where I was like, I could drive my car off this highway and that would be easier than this, you know? Yeah. And it's such a good example that abuse is not only physical and it's just as intense to go through it and overcome it and survive it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for having me. You I mean, you're so beyond welcome, dude. Can you please tell <laughs> everyone because there's shows coming up in Los Angeles, there's shows coming up in New York. I, if you've ever listened to me and taken my advice about anything, if you are close enough or can figure out a way to get to one of these cities, go see this fucking show. <laughs> I, I'm not just saying it because I'm your friend and I love you. Like genuinely the funniest, most 
fun night that we had that year which is ironic because it's from such a dark place yeah, but, but yeah, that's the best comedy art. you know that's <laughs> art my la dates are going to be sometime in may or june um and follow me on tiktok yeah, because i share all the all the things yeah so people carly, can stalk you carly craig official on tiktok that's c-a-r-l-i-e-c-r-a-i-g official um and carly craig on instagram but i'm sharing videos from my last show which is the one in the blue dress and you know a lot of those have picked up traction so you can if you're curious about and all the good times you can go back and and check that out on my tiktok I fucking love you so much. I love you, babe. I'm so fucking proud of you. I did it. <laughs> yeah, you fucking did. I did it. And yeah, I girl. am proud of me. Uh, yeah, it wasn't loud, but you know, okay. you get the idea. We'll, we'll edit it in we, later. We did a clap. <laughs> <laughs> we did a high five. Love you. I love you. I really cannot put into words how proud I am of Carly Craig. Not only for coming on and so vulnerably and so openly sharing what she went through, which I know was hard for her. I know how nervous she was. And it really was so inspirational to me to watch this journey unfold and see her at her lowest and see where she's at today and see this incredible fucking musical that has come of it. You guys, I normally suggest that you go follow someone and check out their stuff. I am begging you to go follow Carly Craig on all of her platforms. I am begging you to buy tickets to this fucking show. If you are in LA, if you are in New York, keep an eye on both of our pages because I will post the ticket links when they're available. This was one of the most fun nights I've ever had out when we went to her show. You will laugh your fucking ass off. It's a healing journey in itself. This individual is going to be such a massive star one day. And I am so fucking honored to call her my friend and to have her on this show. Just a million times thank you, Carly Craig. I, I am so fucking inspired and proud. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. Get ready for that new merch drop. It is on the way and the styles are ridiculously amazing. I cannot wait for you guys to see them. And remember, if you guys want to watch the episodes live in studio, you can do so at youtube.com slash FML Talk. As always, have a self-love cocktail on me because you fucking deserve it. Love you guys. Cheers.
Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.